You know, guys, as I uh, try to dive deep into how disk drive works, how uh, disk controller drivers work, how the operating systems work, and how the database work, the whole thing is so confusing is really putting it lightly. But that just tells me that we really don't talk to each other as engineers. You know, the disk drivers does its own thing. The operating system developer does its own thing. The database developer does a thing. And of course, the backend engineer does definitely we do our own thing. And, and we never talk to each other. And, and as a result, so much things that we assume are true are not really true and i'll give you an example like the title of this video is like how the disk lies right the lies of the disk drives if you actually write something to disk forget about disk if you actually in the app says hey open file and write blah to this file you would think and save that file actually control s on that file right or whatever the operation on on in the api you would think that is actually saved right on disk <sighs> there are literally many layers of caching going on Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on the show. first layer of defense is if you're using a database that's the buffer the shared buffer cache which is a shared memory allocated by the database usually using a map and then that's my multiple process of that databases will write to this beautiful shared place and it's just single place for all the pages and index pages goes there so that's one layer of defense it's a cache then when when the database says hey write the operating system has its own layer called the file system cache because most databases are built on operating systems and most operating systems use file systems to write to you know, well block devices right so you need a file system i say need i don't agree with that you know i see that a lot of people just use file system but I, i'm yet to see a database that doesn't use a file system and i'm going i know i'm talking out of my ass because I don't know anything about this but just objectively looking at this stuff the database does not need a file system it just happened that we databases are built on top of general purpose operating systems and as a result general purpose operating system give you a file system to write files with and databases use that I don't see any reason why the database just talk directly to the disk drive you build 
an operating system as a database. That's a fantastic idea. Cut the middleman, right? And do exactly what the database needs. Anyway, this is another topic for another day. I want to I just explore it and just think about it. Right? It might be... People might have thought about it, but I'm just thinking out loud here. You see that when I do the write, these writes go to the file system page cache. It refers to the file system page cache, which is mapping the virtual memory pages effectively, right? Because we're using almost always the virtual memory when operating systems, right? And as a result, when we do that, uh, the file system caches this, okay, this file, right, that you write, you wrote these blocks and it's mapping to these pages and it writes it there and it keeps it in its own memory cache, another place for the file system page cache. And then later, the hope is these pages in memory will receive more writes from the application such that the operating system will finally buffer all these writes and then write it once to the disk, right? So that's the hope. It's called buffer.io. Uh, why? Because if you just, if the app just directly write, every write will go directly to the database. Oh, not the database, the, to the disk. While this is good for persistent durability, it's chatty and it will reduce the life, uh, lifespan of the disk eventually. Because while we claim we're good as engineers, we rarely you know, know what we're doing. We, we will do mistakes such as do a loop and write to the same file a hundred million times in a second. And if we do that and the OS is not there to protect us, that disk will be thrashed with writes for the same LBAs, effectively. Moving things around, uh, doing all sorts of, you know, garbage collection and, you know, moving things to the of provisioning and, you know, erasing blocks and moving things, moving valid pages. It just does a lot of work to to keep the, to, to, to satisfy your stuff. And so that's why we have an operating system page. But then eventually the OS will say, okay, I'm, I'm thinking good. And this is up to the OS. The OS will say, okay, let's write. Let's actually sync. They say it's called F-sync. Why F? Maybe it's called force. This F-sync operation, right? will synchronize what I have in the file, page, data, and guess what? The file system is not free. It comes with its own overhead. It comes with its own metadata, right? All the inodes and the B trees, you know, to maintain the directories and, you know, all that stuff, the information, the permissions, the owner of the file, all this stuff, all the metadata. Right? So if you do an F-sync, or the OS decides to do an F-sync, it will just slam everything. It says, hey, desk, write now. I want you to flush all this stuff right now to disk. Just, it will just write everything. Right? It will synchronize anything that is in its memory to the disk drive. Here's the final level of defense. When the disk... When the disk driver, the driver is in the kernel, right? The, the, the operating system. 
right? That will receive that operation, operation and it will transmit that request and will, with all the data to the drive. So the SSD or the hard drive will receive the stuff and it actually gets a choice because the first thing that these writes goes to is goes to the, yes, another cache, the disk cache themselves. Right? It's a small, tiny, I think around 100 megs maybe in certain devices. And those data goes there, including the file system, because at the disk, we don't really know what is a file, what is not a file. It's just blocks, not all LBAs, which translates to PBA, physical block addresses, yeah, which is the blocks, which translates to pages. And I'm not going to go there. The page, the, the word page is so overloaded when it comes to these stuff. So, uh, so, so now when you do these writes, the, the disk driver will say, ah, you know what? You've been writing to me a lot. I'll rather keep this stuff in my cache. And that's the lie here. That's the lie. We, while we say we write, the disk will keep this data in its own cache until later it will flush it to the media. Hey, disk, go and actually flush what you, whatever you have. Whatever you have, go and flush it right now. Now the SSD is sitting there with, you know, uh, tons of megabytes of cache. I'm going to take everything I have and I'm flushing to disk. Here's where the I.O. will suffer because that operation is going to be expensive because I can have 100, 200 megabytes of cache and now I'm actually writing it to the media. Right? So here's the second lie that the SSDs and disks do. Some SSDs will ignore the flush and will just know up. It says, hey, I know you're flushing, but you've been flushing a lot. You don't know what you're doing. OS or whoever is calling the OS. You don't know what you're doing. I'm just going to ignore you. Hussein from editing coming in here. After I edited the video, I found an article, a bug from Mozilla Firefox version three posted 15 years ago, 27, 27, 28 on that time frame, where we're going to read the bug right now. And Boy, it's interesting. Let's read it. Let's read the bug. And then we're going to come back to the video. It's, it's, a, it's fabulous. I love this stuff. This comes from Nathan G. Grin. He's a reporter. He's the, he's, the, he's the one reported this bug. I have been using Firefox 3 nightlies for a while. Firefox 3. I was like, what is the current? Wait a minute. Firefox is now 112, right? This is Firefox version 3 right so you know how old this issue is i've been using firefox 3 nightly it's not even the the stable version he's using a nightly i have been recently experiencing really bad system responsiveness and have been pulling my hair out to figure out why i know firefox 3 seemed to be worse affected i then found out the uh and then i found mention of the issue i was uh, seeing was related to fsync, which is the same function that we talked about that actually causes a flush to disk, right? And and it blocks until everything is written to disk. I used strace, which is an, a Linux function that uh, can trace what the 
application is doing to check Firefox 3 and found it's using F-Sync like eight times for every new page. Every new page it writes, it calls F-Sync like eight times on it. And that was, that really exacerbated the problem because, again, this is 15 years ago when disk drives, I don't know, SSDs were there? I think SSDs was just coming to life, right? At that age, at that era. But man, F-Sync eight times per page, that just kills the performance because now you're telling this cache, it's like flash, 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 flash. Not only the cache, you're telling everything on the page, the OS cache, to flush to disk and then actually forcing the disk driver cache to flush everything it has, not from you, from every other host, from every other application that has cache, just a bunch of log, to flush to disk. And that is the result. So this case was received received all sorts of attention. And I think it's main reason why disk drivers now ignore flush most of the time because they say, hey, the application developer definitely doesn't, most of the time doesn't know what's behind it. So the cost becomes very, very expensive. And as a result, we had to do this. Back to the video. So you know, you don't know what you're doing, my friend. You don't know what you're doing. So I'm going to ignore it. But Hussein, isn't that dangerous? It is dangerous. Because if I tell you to flush, let's say these are actually wall journal redo logs, right? Which is very critical if the database tell you to write, you better write them to, you better durable, you better be durable, right? When I tell you to write, these wall records are the most important thing. If you lose the wall, you're done, right? When it comes to the databases, you're, you're just corrupted, right? So if I, um, if, the, if the drive is actually ignoring the flush, I'm going to come to why, then we lose power, whatever is in the disk cache will be lost, right? And whatever in the OS cache, of course, will be lost. And whatever in the database cache will be lost. So this persistent, is, is that the final thing? When I tell you to flush, the disk is ignoring flush. And we lose power, we're going to lose the data. Here's some, the, the reason some SSDs ignore this is because they know they do that because they have a capability that even if power is lost, they have battery included with it temporary battery such that even if i lost the power i still can live i will detect the loss but i'll be still running on the battery and while i was running i was like oh shit i need to write this stuff poof it's gonna write immediately after uh uh after after the the detection that the power loss right and we're good Right? So we can ignore the flush commands because most of the time that's that comes because the disk doesn't trust the OS or the host, right? We say the host mostly, not OS, because you can have disks that run directly on an application. I mean, you can literally never done this, but you can write your own app such as it uses the NVMe driver directly without the OS. Right? Without any file system, you can just build a block and then write it to the NVMe. I don't see why not. Pretty sure all these cloud providers do that at the low level, and that's just 
another bowl game, right? So yeah, discs lies. And when you and that's where all the configuration where Postgres comes in. Just an example, because I'm I'm trying to learn more about this database. Uh, like Postgres gives you all these fine-tuning ability, right? There is an option when you open a file for wall writing, WAL, says, hey, I want to open with OSYNC, which is open underscore sync. And that means every write that I do, just don't think. Don't don't put it in your cache. Yeah, you can put it in the cache, but the moment I say write, block me, please. I want you to block me and tell me when you actually if you wrote everything into the disk and then come back. And when you return, you say, hey, all good. Postgres has another option where we'll give you, no, I want to open the file, which is the walls, with an option called uh, desync or desync, which is the the difference between osync and osync and or desync means osync means if I want you to write and flush everything right there and write and when I write write everything that you have in your files in the page that includes my data and the metadata with, for the file the permissions and owners and all that other stuff, the group permission of the file system metadata, which can be large, right? So there is another option that say, hey, oh, desync, I want to open this file such that every write only write the data. You can lazily write the metadata later. So that's another thing. There is another option to open or direct, which is the most confusing option in existence, right? I can make a whole video, a podcast, just talking about Odirect. Odirect is, <laughs> is a, a way for the app, in this case, the database, to directly bypass all the cache and write directly to the disk, right? And this is done through something called the DMA, the direct memory access. So that, there is a coordination happening with the operating system here. So the, 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 the database will, will, will ask the OS, says, hey, give me a, like a little bit of nice contiguous, contiguous memory. And then ask the, uh, the disk if I want to write, for example, the OS, the, the database will write to this location. And then the memory, uh, no the disk controller will immediately read directly from this. So you're writing directly to the disk. There is no page cache at all, right? And this and vice versa, when you read, you read directly from, uh, from the disk directly to the user space. There is no kernel space when it comes to Odirect. It's just a direct thing, direct memory so fast, and there is absolutely no page cache you're bypassing all that stuff and that's the power of Odirect. what's what's the problem with that the database better know or the app in this case better know what it's doing because now the os is not there to protect you you wrote something you corrupted your it's your fault right all of this stuff now how what happens with file metadata and all that other stuff again it's very complex all that stuff so yeah, that's another option, or direct. Yeah. 
some Postgres also gives you another option such that if you enable this F sync, you can say, you know what? I want you to delay all this wall writing. It's expensive for every, imagine every wall I write, every transaction I execute, every update I do, it just writes to the disk directly. No, 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 no. It's okay. I, I'm a transactional system. What I want you to guarantee is if, if I say commit, then everything gets committed, actually written. That's all, that's all what I'm asked for. And here's where you can also play games, right? So you can you can you can open so you can open the file normally for write, but the 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 at the commit when you actually physically do a transactional commit, the backend which is the database will issue a command that says okay I'm now I'm gonna call f sync only at the commit physically call f sync only at the commit not for every single write, right? And that is so powerful because now. Uh, all the transaction, if that's a long transaction, these can be written to memory. When I say memory, God, what is memory anymore? Right? Is it the buffer, shared buffer, or is it the page cache? Oh, that's what we mean, basically, to the to the page cache, right? Uh, the kernel page cache. And that's fine. Then later, we'll flush it. Uh, when we do a commit, uh, that, I better, you better block me. When I say commit, block me until everything is written. And that there is another option, which is called if sync data if data sync, right? Which tells you which on commit, on when you when you commit transaction, it will only flush the data, which is the wall entries, not the metadata of the files that belong to the wall. Does that make sense? There is one final option in Postgres that I forgot to mention is you can turn F-Sync off altogether for wall writing. What does that mean? It means that you don't care if you commit a transaction or you write anything to the wall, it is fine for you to write the information to the page cache in the file system and return immediately it is okay not to run f-sync and actually write all these pages to the disk controller which will eventually get flushed from the cache down to the media the nand cells that is fine uh, the danger of course you are getting to a situation where if the crash happens it's on you as a as the person who have done this I have my Postgres runs with fsync equal off and the other option page full page writes or off. And the reason is because these are, I want my test runs to run as fast as possible in Postgres. And absolutely, I don't care if the, the database crashes because if it crashes, my whole test is, is done. I create the database from scratch anyway. It's all test data and I'm not testing really performance or anything. I want my test cases to run as fast as possible. So uh, I, that's the goal. So I, I turn this option off in my Postgres instances for these test cases that I write on Postgres. And I see a significant difference. It makes sense, right, for that case. 
For other cases, a production, absolutely, you have to have it on. Right? And you have to take, at least have it on and configure it such that on commit, at least flush those changes to disk, right? I think the, the option to have it on open is slightly costly. And <laughs> the reason is because every single write is doing an f-sync technically, right? Whether that's a data f-sync or a full f-sync with the metadata of the file system. And that's something you have to kind of watch that. And you can configure that parameter in Postgres. Again, this is not uh, a configuration or a tuning video per se, but boy, you can do so much in that case, right? This thing is just so interesting. But it tells you there are so many layers to this thing. So as a summary, the disk lies, definitely lies, and the database definitely suffers as a result. That's why we expose all these uh, configurations to the user, like to us. We need to know about this stuff. That's the truth. The truth is we are dealing with these many layers. So to hide all of this is such a lie, right, to the application developer. We should never hide anything. Right? That's why I wrote a I wrote a blog about that. Never don't never make your API simple. If you think that your building is complex by nature, right? It's just it's the way it is. Expose almost everything to the user, to the consumer. You can disagree with me. But by by exposing everything, you show the consumer everything. That's what databases do. The database never hide it. In fact, they add more and more configuration and options because you will never know how people will use your API. Right? It's such a complex thing. And we're dealing with complex thing. You have two options. It, if it's if it's in complex by nature, then expose this complexity to the user. Let the user feel it. Let the user have the option to pick and choose. You can't say, oh, just write, boom. No, what does that mean? Like there's there's all sorts of magic happening behind this API. You have to tell me what's going on, right? Otherwise, I call write and then, oh, my, I, but I call write. My data is not in disk. Why? I thought I called write. No, because you don't understand all these things behind that. Eh? Again, it's just interesting to, to go through all this and trying to make sense of all that stuff. The other option, as I said, is try to make the whole thing simpler, which is also an option. But that, my friend, you are alone because nobody did that. Nobody have written, as far as I know, a system that talks directly to the disk drive, directly. Because it's a very big task. You have no idea how much work the operating system is doing. If you you want to skip the OS, or you want to skip part of the scheduling, the CPU, you know, the instruction management, all this, you know, the, 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 the memory controller, the virtual memory system, it's a complex thing. If you want to discard all that, and make your app simpler by saying, hey, I don't need any of that. Just give me direct access to the physical memory, direct access to the CPU. I'm going to write my own instruction set for that CPU, right? 
and I'm going to write directly to this disk. You can kiss portability goodbye, of course. That And that's what Apple, in a sense, is doing. They're just making their own proprietary stuff, such that all this CPU, the disk drive, the, the memory, everything is in one chip, right? But the disk is in, in another, right? But then, they, if they have control over all of this stuff, then they can maximize the performance there because they know every in and out there. There's no like open portability of this. That, that's another trade-off you're playing. But if you want to really jump to the absolute performance, you have to cut the middleman. That's not an easy job. At the end of the day, the disk lies. So watch out for the lies of the disk. How do you know? I'm going to reference, by the way, a blog. Hopefully I can find it about exactly that problem, how flush actually is just being ignored, right? Even if the, if the SSD doesn't have a battery powered uh, system, sometimes it just decides to ignore it and says, hey, I am going to buffer it for a few more milliseconds. And they, this is a decision that the SSD controller does. And can you crash in the middle of this and lose data? Sure. That's why you take other contingencies, right? That's why building a production system is complex, right? You have, okay, you can't lose power because even if you lose power, there is a, another system that immediately generates the power so you don't lose it immediately. The, the, the server itself has a battery-packed, right? Uh, backup battery such that even if you lose power there is a backup place so there's always a backup of the backup of the backup uh and, and the whole thing is very interesting to me all right guys see you in the next one